Welcome to another edition of Making Money. The financial coach, Ron Heber, is standing by with some inside information about robotics. We're going to talk about that on this week's episode of Making Money. I'm Gord Whitehead, retired broadcaster. You know, Ron, I remember back, I'm thinking back, let's say 40 years ago, and there'd be a movie. How long, when was the first Terminator movie out? Sometime in the 80s, I think, wasn't it? Uh, 80s or early 90s. Yeah, you know, and so let's, let's go there. And, you know, there's Arnie with all the robots and, uh, you know, the, the different things. are going. And you think, oh, that's so far-fetched. Look where we are now. You see these videos online every once in a while of their, their you know, they've got robots that will open doors now, and they, they do all kinds of things. They jump, they go upstairs, and... To some people, it's kind of frightening, but it's just the reality of where we are, isn't it? Yeah. You know, a, ro- a world where robots replace the tasks that humans used to do, you know, like you say, is Buck Rogers stuff, is uh, Terminator stuff, but the revolution is well on its way. In 2009, there were a million industrial robots toiling away globally. Today, that number's triple. Growth is expected to be 10 to 15% a year. And what is shocking is that a McKinsey report that came out literally in 2017, so it's only five years old, predicts that robots will take over 800 million jobs by 2030. Now, is that a pipe dream? Well, I'm not sure, because literally that would be one-fifth of the global workforce. And, you know, the socio and economic ramifications, shockwaves that would come off that, over the next few years are amazing. So uh, when a listener asks that we should talk about robotics and AI, and we'll be talking about both of them today, we really jumped at the chance because work was curious as anybody else is what are going to be the ramifications of, of all this uh, in social change coming up over the next few years. This must keep union leaders awake at night, I would think. Uh, you know, just as an example, there's a warehouse being built here by the good folks at Amazon that's going to be completely robotic controlled, and it's yeah, no. huge. It's huge, and I, I would think there'd be some living, breathing people in there to keep an eye on things. But the bulk of the work's going to be handled by robots, and it's uh, it's just a reality. And of course, you know, you look at what is pushing companies in that direction. Number one, everywhere you go, there's there's signs out wanting people to work in these places. But a lot of people are rejecting it. They don't want to do that kind of work. And companies that uh, are managing to, to, to fill those spots are finding, like Amazon, just had the first one of their warehouses, which unionized. And this has been a bitter fight, and, and Amazon is coming out with uh, trying to appeal this in court and get that overthrown. But, you know, typically uh, unionization means higher costs, and, and uh, uh, these companies that frankly, they make their niche in the competitive world on cost. Uh, They don't want to incur uh, more of it, do they? (laughs) Yeah, they don't want to incur more of it. So, you know, there's a big push. Robots work 24 hours a day. They don't take sick leave. They don't go on strike. Uh, They don't need health care benefits. And and the list goes on and on. So, you know, there's a big push now to because you can't find help. And uh, people are wanting higher wages to do these types of jobs. And we're just going to see robotics is going to explode. And, you know, China is a leader in putting robotics on their assembly lines in 2019. They had four times as many robots as in the U.S. and three times as many in Japan. And, of course, China is on a demographic cliff. They had that one-child policy for years, and now they're encouraging families to have more. But families have said 
No, we want to have one child because if we have two or three, uh, we're not going to be able to stay in the middle class because we're not going to be able to afford them. So the five biggest users of robots by number are China, Japan, South Korea, U.S., and Germany. And they're all countries that are literally facing a demographic cliff where the amount of young people that are coming in to replace the old people are just not going to be there. So unless they have robots, number one, they're not going to be able to maintain their productivity and growth. What are the areas, Ron, we, we can look at sectors where they have the biggest impact. You and I are both car lovers. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen a number of documentaries about, uh, you know, race cars and manufacturing. There's so much robotic stuff going on in automotive lines right now, and that's put thousands and thousands of people out of work, right? And these sectors uh, literally are leading the charge with electronic fabrication, automobile manufacturing, those two alone count for 50% of new installation and 70% of total robots in use. But that is expanding. Robots are, are, are being used in logistics services like UPS. They're being used for surgery. They're being, uh, they're being used to scan merchandise to look for defects. And you're just going to see as robots get perfected and become more, more uh, nimble, and, and the AI gets better, the artificial intelligence that drives them gets better, you're going to see more and more robots being used in more and more types of, of uh, functions and industries. So let's talk about some of the specific ways to invest in that sector. You, you want companies that are using these machines to make their business more profitable and efficient, right? To keep their costs down, if you will, so that their profits are up. And you take a look at uh, companies like you, like you mentioned, Amazon, United Parcel Services, FedEx. They're, all, they're using drones. They they're want to use self-driving vehicles that they're experimenting with. Uh, Toyota, which is the world's most profitable car company. A lot of people think it is Tesla, but Tesla is just above the break-even mark. Uh, Toyota just makes bucket loads of money, and they are literally leading the revolution or very close to the front of the revolution in automating their factories. And here again, Japan uh, literally is going to see its population over the next 20 years drop by at least a third. So uh, in order to have the workers, uh, they have to turn to robots. Uh, Taiwan Semiconductor, the world's most advanced semiconductor manufacturer and designer, most of what they produce is made by robots now. So invest in the companies that use the machines to make their businesses more profitable. That way you're not investing directly <clears throat> in robotic companies, but you're investing in companies that get the economic benefits from the robots they're putting to work on their factories. Do we invest in companies that make the robots? Well, some of them have actually done pretty good. Like, for example, Intuitive Surgical, ISRG, uh, they're a U.S. company. They make surgical robots. And especially in areas that are so fine, uh, you know, back surgery, brain surgery, they're using robots because robots have, can, can move in the millimeters. And there's no shaky hands involved. Right? Yeah, I mean, you, you've got a surgeon who's, uh, who's nursing a hangover and he's got surgery the next morning or had too many cups of coffee and his hands are shaking. Well, you know, if, they, if, if they're working a little... Uh, lever it they can get they can get into these really really fine areas and so isrg is a company that uh, they're they're way out in front of everybody else 
ABB, which is a Swiss company which makes robots and electrical equipment for utilities. Uh, their symbol is ABB. They trade in the U.S., but they're a Swiss company. And the company that makes the most robots and is the largest manufacturer of these robots in the entire world is a company called Fanuc, F-A-N-U-C. And they actually, you can, they trade over the counter in the U.S. The symbol is F-A-N-U-Y. And so there's just some examples if you want to invest directly in companies that make the robots. Okay, what about artificial intelligence? Uh, boy, I mean, there's a pretty long list there, I would think. <laughs> yeah, and, and surprisingly, many of the companies that are really doing the heavy lifting in artificial intelligence are companies that have other businesses. For example, Amazon has a retail business, Alphabet. Obviously, they're famous for Google, YouTube, and many other things, but they've been working very, very hard developing AI algorithms for many of the services they have. In fact, Alphabet is, there's, an, there's a furor within the company because they've been outsourcing some of their technology to the U.S. military, and of course, uh, Alphabet employees or Google employees, they don't like that. Also, IBM is a huge player in this space. So... Uh, there's lots of ways to uh, invest in AI. And, of course, AI drives the robots because you can have a robot, but you have to have the artificial intelligence behind it to make it work. And these are just some of the companies that are doing that. So what do we do here? Do we do we look directly at some of these stocks? Because uh, uh, some of them are, you know, they're pretty pricey. You take a stock like Google, it's it's up there. Amazon's up there. Do we look at an ETF or a mutual fund in this respect? Well, what makes an ETF worth looking at is that you get to buy a basket of Securities, uh, rather than own a specific one. So there's a couple of examples. Uh, I, I went, and if you just do a simple Google search, um, the, the two big names that you come up with, one is iShares, which has a robotics and artificial intelligence ETF. It trades in the U.S., and the symbol is IRBO. And the other one is Global X Robotics and Artificial Intelligence. Uh, that's an ETF, and it's got a symbol BOTS, B-O-T-Z. And there's others coming up all the time. So if you worry that you do not have the ability to make the, the choices that you, you make or you think the stock that you're looking at is too expensive, well, you can buy a basket of them, and you're, you're making a bet that the entire sector is going to do well just with the increased demand we're seeing from robotics. And I think that's, that sounds like a pretty good bet. So where do we wave the red flag here? What are the cautionary notes we should be paying attention to? Well, I think it's timing more than anything, Gord. And, and one of the things that could slow that down is social change. Having your job replaced by a machine has quickly become a major career risk. That was unthinkable even a couple of years ago. You know, governments will have to bear the cost of unemployment. and Society will have to face unrest unless they can figure out what to do with all these jobless people who have obsolete skill sets. Now, this could push, see some pushback with unions and uh, slow down that rate of change. So I, I think we're going to move to more robots, but I think that uh, there could be some significant societal obstacles that slow down the implementation of these things. So, you know, you rush into them thinking that, you know, this is going to happen in the next three or four years. And society is just not ready or up for the changes, and it could take a lot longer than we, we might think. So that's definitely one of the bigger risks. You know, I guess, it, you know, just thinking along those lines, Ron, the governments could step in and say, hey, slow down here. Like, we can't put all these people out of work, and then we have to foot the bill to support them, right? That, that line of thinking. Oh, that line of thinking is, is uh, definitely something 
And if you want an example of that, just start going to Europe and looking at uh, some of the uh, regulations that they put in place to slow this down. I mean, governments everywhere realize that if you want to get reelected, you can't have unemployment lines circling around the block. And so if they have to, uh, we'll definitely said, see legislation that slows this down. So uh, you got to be careful investing here and watch very closely the legislation that's coming up because, you know, you stretch out the implementation of something. And the longer you stretch that out, generally the less profitable something becomes. So be careful. And you talked about timing. I mean, lots of people think they can see the future, but they don't know when the date of the future is going to be, right? Yeah, I mean, we're all pretty good at uh, saying, you know, uh, we have an electric future. But how quickly is that going to take? And uh, very few nail accurately their timing of when events actually occur. And there's a long list of things. I mean, look at uh, nuclear power plants. They're the next big technology for the next 40 years, and they've never, ever got mass acceptance. Self-driving cars, well, you know, uh, when Elon Musk came out uh, with his Tesla in 2008, 2009, 2010, you know, he was talking about self-driving cars by now uh, being uh, a, a big, big factor on the streets. And frankly, occasionally you see a self-driving car that's out for testing, but, uh, you know, they haven't been universally adopted. Batteries with high storage capacity were, have been just around the corner uh, for the last 20 years. And they're still, I mean, they're making incremental improvements, but there still is no breakthrough that allows batteries to be competitive with uh, with uh, other types of, of storage mechanisms. So still have a long way to go and exactly when it'll happen. Well, unfortunately to make money, you need to not only know what is going to happen, but in, you know, more importantly, you have to know when it's going to happen because often you'll run out of money before the timing makes something happen. So really before you jump into some prediction, and we've got a show on that in three weeks talking about, uh, uh, prediction-based investing and the mistakes that so often come with it. And one of them is just expecting that if somebody makes a prediction, expecting it's going to take place immediately. And often it doesn't take place for years and often decades. Okay, so just to give you a little preview of what's coming down the pipe here in the next couple of weeks, uh, we've been doing this show for a while now. We've talked about a lot of things. But at the fundamental bottom of this, the foundation, there are some basic rules that you have to follow for investing. And we're going to break that down probably into two shows, right? Definitely. Uh, There's there's a lot of material to cover here. And we tend to like to give shows like this when, when, when prices are high or when prices are low, because that's when fear and greed takes over. And those are the two parts of the investment cycle where specifically you need to have formulated your own mind and you have need to have a discipline you need to have a plan and you have need to have a rules-based formula that you're going to follow to be able to navigate through all of this so there you go that's what's coming up next on making money on behalf of the financial coach ron hebert i'm gord whitehead we'll talk to you next time the information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.